The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate wanderlust with my friend Jill Dutton, who has been on the show before to talk about community with Evolving Magazine. But today, we're talking all about her new career in travel. How are you doing, Jill? Wonderful, Christine. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to share my latest adventures. Oh, my gosh. You've been on so many. Yes. Yeah. So... I want to take a moment and congratulate you on your new podcast. Thank you. Created number 27 already. And actually, that was a typo. It was 24. I had a cousin (laughs) read it and tell me that I was mistaken. So yeah, best Pete Spots, best travel podcast on the planet. I ranked it number 24. And I just started this year. And so it was a huge honor, huge honor. But it just shows that, you know, people want to hear about these destinations And what I'm doing that's different than maybe some other podcasts is that, you know, I'm introducing a person and a place. So we get to really immerse in an area, get an insider's look from someone. And so I I think that's what's different. I'm not sure, but it's really working well and I'm thrilled. No, I think that's a wonderful concept to talk to people who are actually about where they're located and, mm-hmm. about the- and their experiences, whether, you know, some of them are fishermen or some of them are chefs, but it's really a deeper look at an area because they're look at the destination, but it's also their specialty. And so you learn about culture through what people do in different areas. I mean, that's why we travel anyway. Mm-hmm. I love that. How did you know you wanted to have a podcast and how did you get started? Oh, that's funny. Well, I started travel writing in 2015. This was after, as you know, many years as a magazine publisher with Evolving Magazine. And I had published Evolving Magazine. And gosh, like I said, 2015, I kind of wanted to step back from some of my daily duties 
and start traveling more. And so I had visited Europe with my mom when I was 12 for three months and we got a year rail pass and we spent three months on the train staying in youth hostels and camping. And it was just this most transformative experience of my life. It opened my eyes to different cultures and different foods and languages. And I came home and I studied French and German and had this passion for people that I didn't have before that. So fast forward all these years of doing the magazine and I decided I wanted to get back into travel. And so train travel just felt like a natural place to start because of that experience on the train in Europe. And so started travel writing in 2015. Well, then this previous, in 2023, my dear friend, Judy Kirkpatrick, she's worked with me on the magazine for 20 some years. She called me when I was in Memphis and I was on an elevator and I said, Judy, <laughs> I'm on an elevator in Memphis, you know, what do you want? She said, have you thought about starting a podcast? And I said, well, yeah, I had thought about it with the magazine, but it's so much work and I really don't know what I'm doing. But then like always happens when she puts these little ideas in my head, it started germinating. And I thought, well, maybe I could learn. So I reached out to people like you who already have a podcast to get tips on equipment and, and advice to get started. And so it was really a, a learning experience. And I've been learning as I go. But like I said, just in December, got ranked with Feedspot's, you know, top 100 travel podcast. So I'm tickled and I'm still learning as I go, but that's how I got started with it. Well, and your travel writing had featured people who are, you know, on the scenes more or less. Anyway. Well, and my, yeah, my travel writing has always had this focus of storytelling through the people that I meet along the way. And so it was a natural progression from that. I've written Oprah Modern Farmer about a chef in Montreal who on a dare dived into a dumpster to see if he could create a culinary meal. And he did and ended up creating this company where the grocery stores, instead of him diving in dumpsters, they now give him this produce. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but in like three years, it was hundreds of thousands of pounds of produce that would have been thrown away. He took it, gave away a good portion of it to like food banks and things. But then the majority of the rest of it, he canned it. He preserves this and turns it into jams and sauces and sells it back to the grocers, which is just brilliant. Food waste is now recycled. And so that was the person I met in Montreal. And I wrote a piece about him for Modern Farmer. Another profile I wrote for Modern Farmer was about an indigenous woman with the Klingit clan in Alaska and her foraging and how she's educating other women, primarily women, but other clans people to go back to the land and sustainably source foods because they've gotten disconnected from this way of living that they had previously had. And so it's these fascinating stories of people that I meet and what they're doing. And so, like you said, it's my writing has focused on that, but then now I'm branching that into the podcast where people can now meet like Naomi, the Alaskan woman. I did a podcast episode with her and, and she taught about, you know, different things that you could forage for. And, and so it's a really interesting look at a destination instead of just here's the best hotels and best activities to do. Yeah, the stories, the people who live there. Now, how do you find the people to talk to? I generally meet them as I'm traveling. And so in coastal Mississippi, I got the opportunity to go on a boat with an oyster farmer. And I spent the day with him 
bringing in the oysters. And he does this off-bottom aquaculture where the state of Mississippi had started this training program to teach off-bottom because of this, the coral reefs being damaged and stuff. And so I spent this day with him and I've written several articles about him as well. And so it just happens to be people I meet and they're fascinating. And so I want to share what it is that they do as an introduction to a place. Wow. Now I can imagine just logistically that would be really difficult, A, to find people who are interesting. Well, I mean, everybody's interesting, but people who would have a unique story or a unique thing that they do, but also to find them and make sure that they are okay with being on a podcast. Right, right. And the timing and everything. Yes. I haven't had an obstacle with that. I met a chef in New York State. Oh, he was probably my, can't say I have a favorite, but he was just so fun. And it actually is the most listened to podcast episode. He sources New York wheat and has this restaurant that is just the most fabulous, fabulous Italian food I've ever tasted and then pasta. And so people like to talk about what they do. So I haven't had that obstacle. That's a good point. People do like to talk about what they do. That mm-hmm. is crazy. Well, and you know, this is such a natural outgrowth. Speaking of what you like to do, an outgrowth of Evolving Magazine, which yes. has been a Kansas City staple for a long, long time. You it know, has, since 1994. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was like the place to find information on the metaphysical and the spiritual in Kansas City. Yes. And that actually led me to branch into some wellness writing for like Women's World and First for Women and things like that. But yeah, the magazine, it was, you know, and then the pandemic obviously affected that as well because print publications just really, they were already having a tougher time. But in March of 2020, we put out our annual wellness directory, and that was the last print edition because the the stores were closed, everybody was staying home. And so I just chose to switch to digital only. So it's still available at evolvingmagazine.com, but I'm not putting out a print copy anymore. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what your question was. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, just the, the travel. Oh, it is an extension. Yes. And so when I started traveling, I overcame fears. It has just been transformative, the power of travel. It does tie in with the whole wellness. I mean, and I focus on wellness travel as well at times. And also in Canada, I visited, no, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a spa in Mineral Wells, Texas. They were recently awarded Wellness Capital of Texas. And I got to be there and experience one of their spa, their retreat weekends. And it's just, so that whole wellness thing, has tied in as well with my travel just because it's been such an important part of my life for 20 some years. Yeah. And you know, you're an avid traveler. I travel as much as I can, which is not quite all that often, but what do you get out of travel? Oh my gosh. So it's meeting the people. I mean, that's the primary thing is I've made these connections. I've made connections with travel writers on group trips, which I thought it was the writer aspect, but I found out that it's the traveler aspect. That is what I am so connected to with people who travel. They just are adventurous and not in a careless way. I mean, this is just people who who want to experience life and they're very joyous. And so I've just found that I like other travelers. When I would travel on the train, it was meeting other passengers. And then on trips, I'm meeting travel writers, but then I'm also meeting the local people in the area. And so these connections have really been the biggest influence on me personally and on my writing as well. Right. It's like there's people everywhere and we can just find out what their stories are. unique, but so similar. It's interesting to see our differences, but yet then also see how similar we are to, you know, in Europe or Mexico or any place that I've been. That's what draws me in is 
I'm intrigued by the differences, but then I'm so tickled when I see the similarities. Oh my, you know, when my daughter was about six, she and I volunteered at a community kitchen, a soup kitchen, we used to call them. And we were surprised at the people who were coming in, not who we expected at all. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, mom, everybody's really the same. They just have different heads. Right. Right. <laughs> and languages sometimes. <laughs> languages too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But different ways of dressing, different ways of showing up, different ways of eating, different ways of yes. celebrating. And it's all there to find out. And traditions, you know, that's ah. that's always so interesting to see people's different traditions. What have you noticed by like looking at the different traditions? I'm trying to think of some in particular. I mean, my most recent trip was that Viking River cruise and we started in Budapest and we stopped in. It was amazing. And like I mentioned, I went to Europe with my mom when I was 12, but I had not been back since. And this was a different experience in that best I can explain it. You know, my mom was 37 when she took me basically a kid to Europe by herself to camp. And I mean, very, very immersed into the region. And so I have always thought that she was the bravest person I've ever known, because to me, that would be terrifying to go to a foreign country on my own and not know the language, not know the currency. And so I was so impressed with that. Well, a cruise is different. I mean, it was a perfect way to reintroduce me because you know, they plan the travel, they plan the flights, they have the guided tours that you could select and everybody speaks English and caters to us stupid Americans. I mean, <laughs> and that was a joke there that most of them speak three or more languages and most of us speak English. So it was just this incredible immersion. And so I went on the cruise. So we started in Budapest and excuse me, I almost forgot my favorite, Bratislava, Slovakia was the first stop. And then three cities in Austria, we went to Linz and Krems and Vienna. And then our final stop was Passau, Germany. And then we were transported back to Munich to fly home. And it was this incredible experience. And so I got to have that opportunity to go back, but not like my mom did, where I had to figure out the logistics of everything. Now, coming up in May, I do have a trip like that. So I'm going to have to get it figured out. And I'm working on that, but it's feels like what could be a life-changing event for me. And these trips are all kind of life-changing, but this one in particular, I'm flying into France, I'm into Paris, and I'll spend a couple days in Paris by myself. And then I take the train to Southwest France for a writing residency. And so I'll spend six nights at this residency in the countryside of France, where we'll have a two-hour workshop in the morning. And then the day is devoted to writing and hiking, walking, and, you know, and we're going to go to the local farmer's markets and things like that. So six days of that. And then I'm going to extend my trip, get a URL pass, like my mother, and I'm not even sure where all I'm going yet in France, but then at the end of May, there is TBEX, which is another writing conference, and I'm going to attend and possibly speak about myth-making or myth in travel writing, and so it rounds out, so I'll be in Spain and I'll be in France, and it's just going to be almost a month of travel in Europe, so it's going to be like my mom's experience in that sense, but I'm excited, so it's a lot of planning. That's a lot of planning. It's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, my daughter and I spent a month in Europe one time in south of France and Geneva and Scotland and Greece, back to Geneva. It was an amazing experience, but my God, the logistics were enough to give you a headache. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't imagine doing it camping with, my daughter was 12 at the time, but. Right, and that's how old I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I can't imagine doing it camping and just like not even knowing the language at and yeah. ho- the youth hostels and the trains. And like I said, when I came home, I studied French and German because I was so fascinated with the language. So while we were there, it was kind of, I was the one figuring out how to converse because my mom was just flabbergasted. You know, I mean, it's difficult, but it also helps that the majority of people in Europe speak English. So true. Is- you know, and I found that either languages make sense to you or they don't. Right. Yeah. There's some people who are really good at it and some people who just like under have the understanding of a stone in a way. Right. And where I get hung up is, you know, so I taken German in college, studied German in college, and that's been a long time ago. And so I started refreshing with um, Coffee Break. They're, they have a great podcast as well as Duolingo and trying to refresh my German before I went. And what I struggled with is it's just these few basic words, you know, I mean, I still wasn't getting it. And I explained this to this woman in Krems who was taking me around with the tourism department. She speaks six languages, Russian and German and French. And I was so impressed. And I told her, I said, I just struggle because, you know, German, they put the grammar. And she said, that's how I'm able to do it is I quit worrying about the grammar. And so what was kind of handicapping me in in speaking German, because I was so afraid I was going to get the grammar incorrectly. And they're just happy if you try. You know what I mean? People are really impressed if you just make an effort to connect and speak their language. Really are. I mean, that goes so, I mean, that is true of all kinds of situations. People are just thrilled if you just try. Mm-hmm. Now, it's something that's wonderful about Europe, you know, is that you don't have to go very far to get to another language group and a different I- architecture, different type of food, different way of being. It's fascinating. What are some of your favorite spots there? Well, from when I was a teenager, because we camped in Switzerland, we camped in Austria. My sister was stationed in Augsburg, Germany. So we kind of used her as a home base. We went to Venice and we went to um, a couple different places in Germany. We went to Munich and London. I mean, so a youth hostel in London. So my favorites, oh my gosh, it was tough. And keep in mind, I was 12, but I fell asleep on the Sound of Music tour. And my mom was furious because that's a lot of money when you're spending three months and pay for this tour. And I love musicals. I mean, she introduced me. It's it's why I was in theater when I was younger. And I, I still am an avid playgoer, but I fell asleep on the Sound of Music tour and mom really had a hard time. So, but I did love it. Oh, I guess one of my favorites, I would say, well, because I studied French and German, obviously both of those affected me deeply. I really love the German people and I love their language and the culture and the antiquity of and the cobblestones. Delicious. You can go have a, a meal or a drink in, in any of these European places that are hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. Remember there's mm-hmm. a place on the, the big square in Brussels that it's been a pub since the 1400s. And it's amazing, the history. That is amazing. Right now, I'm working on a podcast episode with um, a chocolatier, Confiserie, which is a sweet shop. And so he's coffee and chocolates. and But Austria has this big coffee culture. Oh, this is the best. But his family started this in 1836. And so that's what reminded me of that. It is right here in the States. Right. Right. We have no, it's like, oh my gosh, this place has been here a hundred years. This building is here for a hundred. It's been like 20 different things, but the building is a hundred years old. Yeah. <laughs> That's nothing. That's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know, something that you said sparked my interest, Jill, you said that you might be teaching or leading a workshop or giving a talk on myth and travel writing. Yes. And- Fascinating. 
I don't have a whole lot to share for that just because I'm still percolating on the idea. I just had pitched it to the conference and that's why I'm waiting to hear if I'll be speaking on that. But what happened was the Johnson County Library here in Kansas City, here in Kansas, they have an annual writer's workshop and I attended one on myth-making and for travel writing. And I was fascinated by, I, I knew about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And then later, and I can't not remember her name off my head, but when Joseph Campbell said that the hero's journey is only for men, a female writer came up with the heroine's journey and she changed that. So it's this arc that we go through. And some examples of the heroine's journey are like Wild. Did you ever read or watch the movie? Uh, Who's that? Yes, Reese Witherspoon was in the movie and it was, oh darn it, and I'm just blocking on the author's name and I, I love her work. She did a podcast that became a book and a play. Googling it right now, it's a 2014 American biographical adventure drama film directed by Jean-Marc Vallée and written by Nick Hornby. No. On the, on the memoir, Wild, From Lost to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail by Cheryl Strayed. Cheryl Strayed, thank you. <laughs> I, I saw her play. We made a play out of her podcast. She is a fantastic writer and author, and I just am so sorry that I couldn't remember her name. But so Wild is that heroine's journey of she was struggling with drug addiction and going through a divorce and all these things and decides to hike the Pacific Crest Trail by herself. I mean, it was amazing amazing journey. And so we can take these journeys of self-discovery through mm -hmm. travel. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the Santiago, the Camino Santiago or something. I'm butchering the name in Spain. That is a pilgrimage that people will. That's where I'm going. No, I'm going to San Sebastian. And the, the people will talk about they're going there for their own personal pilgrimage, mm -hmm. their personal transformation. I feel like this is, can be true of any place that we go mm -hmm. and travel. Well, and that was what I took away from the travel writing workshop at the Johnson County Library was how did this change you? So to write an essay or memoir style travel writing, it's you've got to come up with or realize this journey but how are you changed? What is different at, at the end of this? And that becomes the story. Right, right. The whole journey is self-discovery. And sometimes you have to shake off your normal habits and your haunts mm -hmm. in order to have that self-discovery. Just kind That's of true. That's true. Switch it all up. We have to break our habits. I'm, this was 2023 was a big year for me on changing habits. I was already traveling extensively, but I wanted to learn, have more education. I wanted to keep experience growth in my writing. And so I branched into more essays and memoir style writing. I've taken classes, but then one habit that I kind of changed was when I began a health journey about a year or so ago, part of that was giving up eating after dinner. I mean, that was the main habit I had to change. Well, I found for me personally, my habit of eating was linked to like watching Netflix at, at night. You know, I had this habit of eight or so o'clock, I'd start watching Netflix and then I'd start eating. And so I switched that habit to instead listening to audiobooks. And for some reason, I don't have that connection. I think because I can't hear it if I'm crunching on something or I don't know what, but I was able to eliminate the one habit. I gave up Netflix at night and snacks and switched it to audiobooks. But in the process, I had listened to memoirs. I've listened to writing books. I've listened to travel books. I've listened to, I mean, so many different things. And I've learned so much through the year of this giving up a bad habit. I gained so much from that. So 
That's true. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Just getting out of your usual routine, getting mm-hmm. out of your comfort zone. But even while home, you know. Yeah, even then, while home. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, the comfort zone idea. I know that from traveling in Europe, the moment I would get back to French speaking country, someplace where I knew they would speak English, it just felt like oh, now I can relax. It's like the alphabet <laughs> and the signs are not so foreign to me. I can read French. I can read English. I'm home. You know? Yes. That yes. Comfort feeling. Now, one thing I do want to touch on is your train travel because you just kind of lucked into that in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so because, like I said, we have that URL pass when I was 12. So in 2015, when I said, I'm going to step back from the magazine a little bit, I'm going to start traveling more and travel writing. Well, my mom, when I told her this, she said, you've got to write a training book. She said, Europe by your rail was my Bible when we were in Europe. She said, you need to write about train travel because I was starting with train travel partly because I was afraid of flying in planes. I got to admit, and that's why I say I've overcome so many fears because now I'll fly 20 flights a year at least. I mean, it's completely eliminated that fear. Now it's fun. And so, but that's not the point. But the point was, so I'm starting with train travel. And she said, you need to write about Europe by your rail. So, you know, USA by rail. And I said, well, mom, there's already a USA by rail, but it gave me the idea. And I ended up, instead of focusing on the whole US train route, I started focusing on individual routes. So for example, Chicago to LA is the Southwest chief. And so my first trip, I traveled to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and on to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then Flagstaff, Arizona, and took that part of the route and wrote about that route instead of just the whole US by train. So I focused on that for many years. And when you say I fell into it, I, I tend to fall into things is really my life, you know? I, so I fell into the train travel writing. And then when I was in, a few years in, I started writing for Bass Angler Magazine, but I had been to, I wasn't fishing and I didn't fish. I hadn't fished since my kids were little and we would go to Pomona Lake and catch catfish. But when I was in Gainesville, Georgia, they have the Lake Sydney Lanier And the tourism woman had suggested, she said, you know what you should write? She said, you really need to write kind of like a fisherman's widow. She said, we have all these tournaments and these primarily men. I mean, there are female anglers as well, but primarily men come in for these tournaments and either they leave their wives or partner at home or they come and they're bored. And she said, you need to write an article on what they can do while their partner is in a fishing tournament. Brilliant. So I reached out to Bass Angler Magazine and... I said, would you like this about Gainesville, Georgia? And he says, yeah, I want it about every place you go to that has tournaments. And so I started writing regularly for him about girlfriend getaways or just things to do when you have a partner who's in a tournament in a fishing area. So the funny transition of how I fell into something. So I'm writing these articles for them. Do not write about fishing. I don't fish. I get an invite to go to La Paz, Mexico in Baja for a fishing expedition. And there are only three journalists invited. One was a man who's the editor at Canada Outdoors. Makes sense. A woman who is the women's sports writer for ESPN Sports. Definitely makes sense. And me. I'm like, why am I being invited on this trip? I don't fish. And I thought, oh, it must be Bass Angler. But I went. I went anyways. I mean, I was terrified because I don't fish. And we spent three 10-hour days deep sea fishing. And that experience. So I fell into that. Well, then suddenly I'm writing for Field and Stream and I'm going to Colorado and fishing camp up in the mountains and 
probably one of my top three trips, Alaska and sport fishing, where you fly into Ketchikan and then take a seaplane to an island. It's Waterfall Resort and Steamboat Bay Fishing Lodge, two different ones owned by the same company. And I actually got to go twice, two different times. So you land on this island and the coolest experience I've ever had in my life. You're on an island with at Steamboat Bay with 16 other guests, 16 guests total in this lodge. And each day, four groups of four go out fishing. And then they come back at night and they talk about the one that got away or they talk about catching a hitchhiker, which is when you catch one fish and a bigger fish latches onto it and you pull them both up. And so you end up getting catching a hitchhiker. And so it was this gorgeous, fantastic experience that I fell into just because they thought I was wrote about fishing for Bass Angler Magazine. So I do tend to very luckily fall into those things. But I think that's part of the, oh, I don't want to call it law of attraction, but just that, you know, an object in motion stays in motion. And so when I am focusing on writing, travel, local foods, outdoor activities, it builds. And that's what you draw to you is what you are focusing on. And so it's not necessarily that I'm saying I want to write about fishing because I did not, but it is me saying I want to experience and I want, you know, and so that comes to you and it just does naturally. And so I tend to think we all fall into things that we're interested in. Right. Yeah. And travel does not have to be these far flung destinations either. No. No, not at all. Herman, one of my favorite trips is Herman, Missouri, which here in Kansas City, it's just, you know, like four hours on the train or three hours on the train. I mean, it's not a long travel, but it's such a fun German town where you get the wineries and the food. And, you know, so no, it doesn't have to be far away. Or Kansas City, we've got Weston. Is it Weston? Yeah. Yes. And um, I don't know why I'm blanking on the local names, but you know, there's always something fun to do locally too. You don't have to travel far. No. And it just, you feel like you're away, you know, even Weston from Kansas city, it's like an hour, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. St. Joe, tons of yeah. his good food, Excelsior Springs, not yep. Kansas city and yeah. Herman. Yeah. Just the other side of the state mm-hmm. and Columbia on the way to it's, it's a fun city. to. So yes, of course there's local travel and a lot of wonderful things that we can see here. But I think you've got some of your favorite travel destinations. What are some of the best places you have been, your favorites? Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I would like to ask you a few simple favors. First of all, please rate, review, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. You know, it sounds like a simple little thing and it is, but it has a huge impact for us because it helps other people find us in the podcasting algorithms. I don't know how it works, but I do know that it helps a lot. Next, if you would subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether that's YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you're listening, just hit subscribe or follow and that helps you and it helps us. 
it helps you because then you receive notifications when we have a new episode that's out. It helps us because again, algorithm, magic, I don't know what happens, but it helps. And then finally, you can support our podcast in a tangible way by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast, and then click on support the show. Now we have a new feature too. We are now on Patreon. You can find us on Patreon. You can also find the link to Patreon when you go to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast. So on Patreon for $3 a month or $5 a month, you can support your metaphysical and spiritual growth. You can learn about upcoming guests and you can get early and ad-free versions of the shows. So please support us. This podcast is free for you to listen, but we have costs. And quite frankly, they come out of my pocket. So if you like this content, if you get a lot out of it, please see what you can do to give back. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, in the top three is that Alaska trip that I mentioned, just because the nature, the seafood, which I'm a seafood lover, and that immersive experience of being on an island and connecting with the other fishermen, I mean, the anglers, and it's just an incredible experience overall. So I would say Alaska, as far as North America, Alaska, and then Maine. In Maine, I was on a windjammer cruise, and it was the Janie Riggins. And we sailed from Rockland, Maine, and spent four nights on this windjammer. And I said, is a windjammer like a pirate ship? Or I said, what is a windjammer? And the captain, he says, it's like a pirate ship, but less pillaging. (laughs) And so it was very fun. Wooden, and I mean, just the majesty of it. And I'd never sailed before. And so that was an incredible experience. Best food I've ever had. And we went to a lobster farmer, and we picked up uh, lobsters and they took them to a deserted island and we had a lobster boil on this island. It was fantastic. So it was just, you've got the main landscape and we saw porpoises. So that was one of my top three as well. Alaska and Maine for North America. And then one of my most intimate trips was to La Parisima, Mexico, which it's on the Baja side, but you fly into Laredo and have to drive through the desert. You don't have to drive through the desert. You can take the highway, but the more scenic route is through the desert. And it was this four-hour drive through the desert. So there's nothing. It's just gray and dirt and sagebrush. And you get that. And then you arrive at La Parisima, which is this oasis. So a desert oasis is where the water has come down from the mountains and found a way to pool in an area. So suddenly you come out of the desert into this lush greenery and there's fruit trees and waterways. And so this couple have 50 acres in La Parisima and they wanted to share what they call paradise with other people. And so they built these hand-built cabanas that have open windows. And so you're in the jungle, but you have the waterways for kayaking and the homemade food. And they don't speak English and I don't speak Spanish. And I struggle with it. You know, I've taken other languages, but for some reason I struggle with the curling my herbs and it's just not my... So we had an interpreter, fortunately, but this woman and I connected so much that at one point she wanted to adopt me. And technically I don't think she's old enough to adopt me because (laughs) she's not that much older than I am. But I loved her. I loved her. And at the end of it, this was post-COVID where we hadn't been hugging and we hadn't been connecting with people. And so this woman let me hug her and I just cried. And she's 
speaking and speaking so fast and so enthusiastic. And then she gets done and she says, familia. And I said, yes. I mean, you just get that connection. And so if people can travel there, it's not as easy to get to, but her food was the most phenomenal, authentic Mexican food I've ever had in my life. It was fresh made goat cheese and tortillas at every meal. And she taught us to make this because everything she cooks when we talk about eating locally or using locally sourced foods, literally everything she serves is fruit grown in her orchards, vegetables in her gardens, goat milk from her goats. And the only thing not directly from her 50 acres is seafood, which is 10 miles away. So it's very locally sourced, best food. And so she taught us to make, it was called fava beans and peas, which basically it was like a hummus or refried bean maybe. And so she took fresh fava beans and peas and aromatics. So lots of garlic and onions and herbs, and she blends it together and then serves it on a tortilla with goat cheese. Kid you not, best thing I've ever put in my mouth. I mean, it was just phenomenal. So that place was one of my top three because of the people, because of the destination. It was paradise. I mean, it was just stunning. And the food. So, I mean, that had all three important things there. So as far as top destinations and then Europe, just every place in Europe. And like we already talked about that. So Yeah. Every place in Europe has such different character, has such different feel and vibe. And it's like going to a bunch of different continents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that you've not talked about South America or Africa. Have you been those places? I have not been to Africa. And so, like I said, when I first started in 2015, it was U.S. train travel. And so it wasn't till probably 18 or so, 2018, that I started getting invited on international trips. And a lot of those were Mexico. I've been to the Riviera Maya and oh, outside Cancun, but just outside Cancun and a couple times to Baja. So I was getting invited. That's how it started was with Mexico trips. Then I did go to Aruba. So that's South America, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I went to Aruba a couple of years ago. And then, like I said, this trip to Europe in December was my first time really for a long haul flight. I went to Panama in November, October, and I was supposed to go to Israel in November. And it just so happened, coincided that 10 days before I was supposed to go is when they had their conflict. And so uh, that was postponed because they definitely want us to come back. Um, but it's temporarily postponed. But my point is, is I just started branching into these other areas. And Panama was one of my top ones as well, because Panama City was delightful. But then we flew to Boca del Toros and stayed on an eco-adventure lodge, which is in the jungle. So I'm in these hand-built open air cabin that has windows are open and my daughter and I joked about monkeys coming in in the night and stuff well we shouldn't have joked because it was true I mean it was real (laughs) but we're on the beach and it was this incredible experience we got to go to a cacao farm and went snorkeling and gorgeous I mean it was just absolutely gorgeous and 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 so Bocas del Toro that was called Eco Adventure Lodge I will get that to you as far as that's fine that's fine you've been so many places you're starting to forget them all well and I keep telling myself When I get tired of traveling, for now, I'm going to travel and I don't expect myself to keep up this kind of pace. And when it becomes every day and I don't remember where I've been, I still could tell you where I've been. I just can't remember exactly sometimes the names of places, but particular businesses. But I said, when I lose that awe, 
then I'm going to quit traveling. But in the meantime, I want to go to new places and I want to experience it. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of the same way. It's like, I could go back to the same places that I've been, which I love, Mm -hmm. but I like the newness, discover new things. Now, what's on your bucket list? Oh my gosh. Bucket list. Probably that trip to Israel. Never been to Africa. Even more time in Europe. I'd love to go back to Italy. I've never been to Ireland or Greece or, I mean, there's so many, so many on my bucket list. Right. I mean, gosh, well, the Nordic countries. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to go to Alaska last year, 2023, celebrated 150 years of train service, the Alaska Railroad. And so we had talked about me coming in and going deeper into Alaska because I've only been to Ketchikan. And so I was going to go deeper into Alaska and stop at multiple cities. It didn't pan out because during the pandemic, the airfares, the airlines struggled. And so to compensate for that, this past year, prices just were sky high. And so I'm hoping those are going to stabilize a little bit more in 2024 because I would love to do that train experience in Alaska. That's on my bucket list. Yeah, there's all of Asia as well. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I told you my mom was an avid traveler and she took me to Europe and I was kind of her travel buddy because I was the youngest child, but my older sisters were moved out of the house by the time I was 12 and she was a school teacher. So she had summers to travel. So we traveled to New York, all these different destinations every summer. But then I moved out and she went to Australia and she went to New Zealand and she went to Hawaii. And I'm like, mom, so they're still on my list. I haven't even been to Hawaii. So, Oh my God. Yeah, there are so many places to visit. So many amazing places to visit. Now, I want to talk about your podcast, Global Journeys with Jill Dutton. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, like How I mentioned, I started it this year. Yeah. Then I just got notice in December that uh, Feedspot had included it as number 24 in their best travel podcast on the planet, which is an incredible honor. And what were you curious about? Because we had talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That you had started it. Let's see. I'm trying to find when the first episode was July 4th. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, so, that's synchronistic. <laughs> isn't it though? I know. Yeah. And I don't know if you were like me and released, well, it doesn't look like you released a bunch of episodes at the very first. I know that I had 10 episodes in the can when I started this podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, how long to... has your podcast been going? Long time, right? Long time, three years. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And you just started July 4th and you're 24, ranked 24. That's amazing. And you have enough content for every week. That is amazing. Because I know you probably don't travel every single week. No. So in the beginning, I started with, because I tend to travel most in the spring and the fall. A lot of travel writers do because the destinations, they want us there in the off season because they don't need us there during their busy times, but also because we're in the way. You know what I mean? So we go when there's not as many people there. So we go in the spring and the fall. So I'll take one to two trips a month during the spring and fall months, but I tend to stay home in the winter and I stay home in the summer, generally. I mean, my main trip was in July, but for the most part. So this summer I was home and... So when I started the podcast, I rehashed previous destinations. Well, I had just come from Memphis, so that was an easy one. And um, I interviewed a gentleman who works in the music industry and, and things like that. So I always try to interview someone who really represents a place. And so I started rehashing places I'd been to. I reached out to previous ones, New York State I had been to in the spring. So I reached out to them. Then once I started traveling, 
I started a new learning curve for myself of trying to do podcasts on the road. It is not very easy. It's not very easy. I recorded um, some episodes when I was in Europe and yes. just finding a quiet place. And I mean, the microphone was easy, but mm-hmm. finding a quiet place was a bit challenging. Right, right. Well, I had purchased a Zoom 5, so I'd have a recorder to take with me on traveling. But to find a quiet place to interview someone is not as easy. And I went to Lawrence, Kansas. We were talking about local travel. I spent a couple of weeks in Lawrence, Kansas when my sister from North Carolina, she came to visit and they camped their RV at Clinton Lake. So I went and stayed with them. And so we were exploring Lawrence. So I was like, oh, I want to do some on location type podcast episodes. And like they had a food festival, A Taste of Lawrence. Oh no, because the background noise is just too hard to get that. So that's a challenge with traveling is to find a quiet place to sit down and speak with someone. And the episode that I'm just getting ready to publish, like I said, was a chocolatier and his shop wasn't open. So we were able to get that quiet time. But I mean, posting on the road is a challenge as well, because sometimes Wi-Fi is not great. And so it's something I'm still learning to do. But for the most part, I'm bringing those recordings home with me so that I can format the episodes and get them up. Oh, absolutely. Now, do you have a podcasting platform that you publish through? I use Buzzsprout. You can find it at my website is globaljourneyswithjilldutton.com. And that makes it easy with the branding. So you can go there and find my podcast or through Buzzsprout. That's where it's hosted, but it's in all the major directories. So Apple, Google podcast, which unfortunately is going away because I get a lot of listeners there. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Global Journeys with Jill Dutt. Yeah. Yeah. And all the places, as I say, I absolutely love travel. I love what you bring to travel. So, I mean, this is a great podcast. It's a lot of fun to listen to and just get all of those great, delicious stories. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Is there any thought that you want to add anything we didn't talk about or anything that uh, maybe we have missed? No, maybe just as far as some tips for traveling, things I've learned along the way. Yeah. I bring too much luggage. And I just recently wrote an essay called Snapshots of Hands. And it was about being on the train in Santa Fe, New Mexico. But instead of being Amtrak's, you know, touristy long distance train, it was the Santa Fe Railroad, Santa Fe Rail Runner uh, that runs. And I took it from Santa Fe to Albuquerque because my other train was delayed. But it was this immersive experience where I sat accidentally. And I didn't realize that most of the tourists went up to a different area to sit. Well, I had too much luggage because Amtrak allows you to bring it. And so I learned very early in my traveling that just because you can bring it doesn't mean you should. So I'm sitting with these Native Americans who a lot of them were going home from the Santa Fe market from selling, you know, they have the Indian market there where they sell jewelry and and crafts and art. And so we're traveling through the reservations and we were told we could not take pictures on the train because through the reservations. And I'm sitting with the Native Americans because I had too much luggage to be able to get up the stairs to go to the other area. So this essay is snapshots of hands and I'm looking at this gentleman's hands and I start reflecting because I can't take pictures on mental snapshots, what I'm seeing and that immersing myself in the experience. So I learned um, literally and metaphorically about on that trip that just because you can bring too much luggage, don't. So I had pared down to where now I can travel very easily for four days to a week with just a, tra- a small travel on bag or carry on bag. So paring down, we don't need people bring too much. We bring too much crap just because you can. I have a German friend that 
I had told him, oh yeah, I bring bags of food and all this stuff on the train. And he says, I don't bring anything. I'm going to find something at the, you know I mean? That simplicity, which I'm still working on the not bringing too much food. This trip to Europe, I brought too much again, just because I got to have a checked bag. And it's a lesson because I have to lug it around and I end up giving away the food because I bring too much. And so that's definitely my top tip is to less crap. Less you know, stuff. one of my favorite travel tips is don't pack as many socks or underwear as you think you need. You can get those on the way and then ditch them. That's true. My mom, I bring her up often because she was such an inspiration as far as her traveling. But her tip on the train was to go to a thrift store, buy clothes, and donate your dirty ones or, you know, I mean, something like that. But yeah. it was just that that simplicity of, you know, recycling. But I've learned to hand wash and make do on less. Oh, absolutely. And then you wear pieces that you can pair with different things. And so you look like you've got this whole wardrobe that you brought with you, but you really didn't. Yes. Yes. And travel clothes are easier in many ways, you know, with layers and things like that. So yeah, Mm. good, good tips. And it used to be bring paperbacks. And then when you're finished with it, leave it in the train station for the next person. But, you know, yeah, well, that's another tip, but now we read books on our devices. So that's easy. That's true. That's true. Oh, there's so much to talk about with travel, isn't there? There is. Yeah. I've loved our conversation. This is so much fun talking with you. Well, I haven't seen you in a while, so this is great. This works out super. Full disclosure, Jill and I are kayaking buddies. So yes. (laughs) So she understands my passion for being on the water in Maine just because we love kayaking. It sounds beautiful. Yes, my therapy. Well, Jill, thank you so much. Everybody go listen to Global Journeys with Jill Dutton out there wherever fine podcasts are found. Thank you, Jill, for joining me today. This has been fun. Christy, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.